to do that. But okay, so you know what? Everything we do, it doesn't make a difference if it's our birthday or what it is. We walk as witnesses to other people. And it is beautiful how the Lord puts you in situations that you wouldn't normally put yourself in. Because we go downtown for dinner, and then afterwards we go to go walk on River Street and hang out. I never go out. (laughs) So there was a reason why we had to go out to dinner and go walk down on River Street. Well, I was with, you can raise your hands, Todd, (laughs) Eddie Joe, and Wendy. Rachel left after the mansion because she had to work the next day. And this is only like, what, 7 o'clock or 7.30. We decided to go walk down on River Street. When we left the mansion? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, so we're down there at 9 o'clock, and there is a... Well, I will tell you, they had to sit with me all dinner just talking about the Word of God. (laughs) I think I primed up Eddie Joe. (laughs) Since we do match. Well, it's because we worked together last night. I heard vertical strikes and it was so but anyway we um we were on River Street just walking and um we get close to the candy store. Well as we're getting close to the candy store you smell these trailers and, and um something told me to look across the street and it was drawing me. I looked over there and there was a man with Bible, and he was preaching on street people, and um, I know it was God that sent me over there, because any other time I'd be saying, with with all of them, so, you know, I don't even think I told him where I was going, I just kind of shot across the street, because something, something was drawing me over there, so when I get there, um, this, this man and this preacher were kind of getting into a little debate on the Bible and scripture and, and, you know, I'm sitting there listening and somehow they draw me into it. The, the man, um, pointed to me and they're preaching the word at him and telling him he's a sinner tell him all the bad things about him and that he could die today and where would he go he was drunk and he's looking but he wanted answers something in him kept him talking to that guy wanting answers but the guy kept pointing and yelling at him as he was standing on this pedestal and then he turned this drunk man was was saying that you could get to heaven by just being a good person and doing good deeds so I'm hearing him say this Preaching thing that I know wrong, and I'm looking around saying, you know, where's my pastor? I need to go over here. You know, we we have to get these people straight. Something's wrong with this this guy. So finally, finally, when they got full, they came over there and, and started uh, helping me out. So we um. We ended up getting into a, a very good conversation with these people, and it was a group from a 
you take them. Yeah. Well, the, no, and say right there. The most awesome thing is, as that man was drunk, deep down his spirit wanted the truth, and he was looking at the man on the block, thinking that man's got to tell me the truth. But instead, that man kept telling him how condemned he was and how guilty he should feel. Those were all the words coming out of this man. It wasn't even full scripture except for he was a sinner and that he was bad. And he's like, I know I'm a good person and that God loves me. Well, they actually started getting into such an, it was getting intense. And I was standing behind Todd and I was like, they should not argue. We, we, we shouldn't argue to teach the word. And um, all of a sudden, uh, one of the other pastors that were in the group, he kept looking at me and kept looking at me. And he came up to me, he goes, so you believe God loves everybody? And I said, yes, I do. God loves everybody. And with all them standing around, he turned to me and he was like, God doesn't love everybody. I, I didn't even know what to say at first, but then he continued on to say, there are only a few elect. He was telling us that there are only a few elect out there. And he goes, and they go out and they travel the country standing in the middle of cities, trying to seek out the elect. Well, I got to tell you, my challenge, I do like challenges, but the challenge in me said, why would I even join, be an angel on a mission or a, a, a servant with a flaming fire, right? Why would I join or understand or be a part of something that you know there's only a few elect? That means you'd be standing out there preaching the word and you're trying to find that one out of a thousand that's going to be an elect. Well, we actually started ministering to him. And I said, before we go on, I need to ask you something because I did not understand this. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is in you? And he just looked at me and he didn't have an answer. I said, everybody is born with the void spirit in them to be reconciled back to God. Why did Jesus come? He came so God could, we could, God looks at us through the blood and knows he loves us, but we have to be reconciled back to him through Christ. He did. He said that that was not true. The sad part of that is even back then, uh, with his interpretation of scripture. So we would ask him, I said, show me in the Bible where it says that you have to be an elect, be saved and go to heaven, have relationship. And he would open the Bible and go to a scripture and read his interpretation of the scripture. Um, so, you know, we were like, I mean, we were like a team. Todd was, you know, throwing out scripture. Well, he tested Todd. He kept turning to Todd. What's John 6, 9, 6, 3, what's John 3, 16? Man, he belted it right out. And, but yet, what was happening... I kept looking at Lee and I'm like, they're living in the Old Testament. They're living in the Old Testament because he, they were talking. I'm like, have you ever heard of the New Testament? <laughs> you, we got to go. And what, what bothered me the most was when I walked up and they were condemning this poor man. My soul just started turning and I was pacing. I was pacing back and forth. They're talking. I'm discussing, you know, they're discussing. I'm pacing. And I'm like, I told Lee last night, I said, if I would have, you know, a year ago come in here and started talking to Jean and Lee and everybody that helped me through I went through and they condemned me and not love me. You can't talk to people and try to get them to Christ without love. And these two men had not, they were they were they were
were so argumentative and they condemned this poor man and my heart just went out to this man. No, we were not, we weren't, we were very calm, you know, we were trying to talk to them, but it was just really sad. That was the sad part that these people were condemning this poor man and he was just crying for help. But the beautiful part, the beautiful part was I told him I was going to be sending him some scriptures because when we left, he said, well, I would like you to send me the scriptures on what is the regenerated spirit because he didn't believe it was in him. He only believes a few elect have it. And so the awesome thing, as I said, well, give me your card. So he gave me his card. And on the front of the card, it says, a gift for you with love. And it's a box of chocolates. Now, this is what, as we start walking away, I, of course, just start reading the card out loud. And the first quote isn't even from the word of God. It said, a wise man once said, life is like a box of chocolates. That's for us, You never know what you're going to get you know that he is right so they say that you know this guy who wrote that that quote is right now he is right the word is right but you know what it's amazing how it's prostituted i walked away amazed that they preach thinking they're going to find a special chocolate an elect person so they go into every job like it's a box of chocolates they They are preaching it, hoping they find the special one. So, but you know what? Praise God, because you know, I wouldn't have gone out last night. And I found that very educated. And I look forward. I am sending them all this information to just show them that the truth is God loves all of us. He could not even, you can't speak to people when they don't even understand the basics, you know? And so it was awesome. And you know, it was God that put us there because who would have ever believed that we would be on River Street with Lee on a Friday night preaching to these these traveling, you know, ministers, whatever they call themselves. Um, and as we were walking away, uh, you know, after we got through with the discussion and um, as we were walking away, I turned back and looked all of them and they were all sitting down on the sidewalk like we had just wore them out like they they were like you know that we need to start over you know we we just you know evidently we got them thinking on some things that that they needed to really be looking at and um you know it, it was it was God that put us forward there that night at that time because I would be in the candy store the gospel, to stand and just preach the gospel. But the mo- I, I do have to say this. We all have special gifts, each and every one of you in this room. Our gifts were used last night. The gift was Eddie Joe knew to go across over there. He felt for the, young, the man that was drunk, trying to want the right answer. And then the best part was is when we got over there and the other ministers looked at me, he handed it right to the teacher. And then the guy gave me his Bible, and we sat there. It was probably almost an hour we were engaged, and we went from verse to verse, and I tried to teach him in love, very calm. And it was it was awesome because something did still sink in. And then, of course, the support team was just excellent because it was like we were the traveling group in stealth. But 
you are an evangelist. I do have to tell you, you are tagged, you are called, you need to start seeking him like you never believed. Because his gift was, his gift was on. And here I talked at the dinner table all about scripture, testimony, and word. And he did, he said, now it's your time, now you can be talking here. <laughs> when did we called over? But it was awesome. I just, I just told Terry a couple of days ago, I said, you need to call Eddie Joe and start evangelizing him and making the disciple out of that. Yeah, but Gene has always said the evangelist is what that's a hard gift. That's a hard position because you've got to go out in that marketplace. And you know what? It was a lot of death out there. There is a lot of death out there. I hadn't been down to River Street in probably two years. And I'm going to tell you, you just felt death everywhere. I felt like we were a walking light. You know what I mean? Because we were just there to walk the, just walk and enjoy this place. But people were sad, they were lost. You know, so it is beautiful. The evangelist has to be able to be able to go out there, do that job, and then be able not to get all that junk on them. Man, the first thing I would do is throw my clothes off, take a shower, and I didn't want to put any of those clothes back on. They were all going to dry. I mean, you just, that's how you felt. You just felt like the evangelist has to be able to go into that, be able to teach, draw them, and then get out of that and still protect themselves. You know what I mean? And guard their heart. So anyway, evangelist is a, I, we should value evangelists. Had to be moved by the Spirit to see Eddie Joe sensitive to the moving of the Spirit in the office, and that's Jesus moving in the office. And then you're completely safe. You're protected angels all around you. Well, I mean, there wasn't any fear at all. You know, when I when something was screaming, like I said, I don't even think I told them what I was told. I just looked and seen this man in his Bible screaming at people. And, you know, there was a man in front of him, and I'm like, what's he doing? So I went over there, and one thing just led to another. But um, we definitely had them thinking when we left, because when we met them, they were standing, speaking and hollering, and when we left, they were on the ground. So uh, thinking and, and sitting. So it's a good thing. Demons have to submit to the presence of God. That's what it is. They have to submit. Donna. This is so awesome. Don, do you feel comfortable? This is awesome. Donna and uh, Robin have been coming to the ministry now. And um, Donna has really experienced miracles. And so she's... And this testimony is awesome. I think most of you have heard me tell this before. Um, in 1984, they told me that I would be blind. And here it is almost 30 years later, and I still see. And that's still the grace of God. But I was in here on glory night in April. And I was sitting back there in the same chair that I'm sitting in now. And Jean always calls for, you know, healing. Your shoulder, your eyes, or things like that. Well, I was sitting there, and it was a young lady next to me on this side with children. And then there was Robin on this side. And I was in the middle. So he called for, you know, if you're having problems with your eyes or blindness or whatever, to put your hands on your eyes. So I did what he told me to. Now, there was a lady right there and a lady on this end. But I'm hearing a male voice in my ear singing. You know, I'm scared. I'm just like, okay. I know I saw a lady right there and I know I saw one right there. 
And then you want to open your eyes, but you can't. You know, you're still praising and you're still worshiping. Put my hands on my eyes. Two pair of hands covered my head. And I began to cry. I knew God was there with me. And he's there with all of us. You know, we just need to know that. Um, and right after that, I had a meeting with Gene. And he prayed for me that day. I mean, he really, he really prayed. <laughs> and um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. But I can't explain that feeling. Because Lee came in right after that. And she just hugged me. And I just cried. But I know a lot more now. I know that he's been there with me all along. When I was going through all of that. And I still came out. I just thank God for that. I do. Today, this is a new testimony. Today <laughs> is the day before Mother's Day. I lost my mother in 2007, and I miss her greatly. And every year around this time, I get weird. <laughs> I miss her so much, I go into this deep depression. But since I've been coming here, happy because I know where she is I know she's with the father one day I will get to see her again because I know where I'm going and we all need to know where we're going if we just believe what God tells us to go to another job site. Um, at this point, seriously, it didn't affect my health. I couldn't sleep. Um, just, you, you're just feeling mega stress from this type of situation. My captain, I'm sure, promptly took my request and the shredder. 
after counseling with my mother and several people about the situation, you know, I just decided I'm just going to sit back and, and let it ride. Well, weekend before last, I got to go to Tybee first time in two years. I had a fall. It was gorgeous. I took cameras, shot up two and a half rolls of film, just from about six until, six until about three in the afternoon, I was in Tybee and you couldn't get me back from Tybee, okay? I'm a happy camper. And I was walking around the streets of Tybee and it's when I'm not doing something spiritual, I get the most revelation. I don't know why, that's just how that is.
I'm anticipating major changes in my life within the next six or seven months. So I'm so thankful to Yeshua that he's persistent in transforming us in his image to be pleasing to the Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I really appreciate everybody's testimonies. And because uh, the true church of Jesus Christ will always have a testimony of love. And love's the only thing that can change you. Amen. Can I have um, Robert Michael, maybe Carrie, put these three up right here? Um, <clears throat> I love the Lord because he instructs us on what to teach and how it all ties into what happened during the week. And um, But I'd just like to say one thing. The Bible says the elect of God is the born-again creation. The regenerated spirit is the elect of God. So we become the elect of God when we get born again. So the elect of God, let's not get distracted with them. Watch me. So the elect of God showed up on the scene. Amen. Because it says the elect of God will put on tender mercies and loving kindness, humility, meekness, and forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven us. So that's what showed up to defend that poor soul that was drunk. Amen. So mission angels are on an assignment. God is sending his people out, his true people out. And just to have dinner or something so that he can use his office. The office isn't supposed to be used in here. It's supposed to be used out there. It's supposed to be developed. It's supposed to be identified in here and developed in here. So it can be used out there, not in here. That's the purpose of this ministry. That's the purpose of every ministry. Every church should be doing the same thing. The same exact thing. Identifying. First, make sure they're born again. And then identify the gifts and offices. And begin to sanctify it unto Jesus. And to get them developed in that gift. And I'm telling you, the fullness of joy will start being poured into your life and developed in your life. As you start operating in that office in the marketplace. I had so much joy... Friday, uh, a man came in and um, hadn't been in here over a year. And he and his wife came down from Pennsylvania and moved down here. Didn't know why they moved down here. But anyway, he was uh, a drywall subcontractor and um, Baptist and knew the word, you know, knew the word. I just, I mean, we fellowship with the word. And um, at some point during the construction project, I had, he was in here and we were talking and he said, man, the anointing's going, I can feel it was, my hairs are standing up in my arms. And the Lord said, ask him if he can pray, if you can pray for him. I said, can I pray for you and your wife? They stopped by one afternoon to get their check or something. And uh, he said, sure. I didn't know he wasn't born again, 
but he came in Friday and said he got radically changed that day. So he'd been living all his life knowing the word, but not knowing Jesus. Can you imagine how miserable that would be? A lot of people know their gifts and don't know Jesus. I can see by the fruit. But there's a time to address everything. You can't go out there like this guy did uh, to this, this drunk man and condemn him. Because when it's appointed and when it's appointed time by Jesus, your steps are ordered by God, and I'm gonna go through some of that tonight. He sets the stage. He'll give you the words to say, and he'll have that person ready to receive your words. So you gotta wait on the Lord. It's his ministry, it's his office. There's some crazy stuff going on in the church. And it's messing up a bunch of people. Good people. And they're good people that's doing the crazy stuff. They just got off on a tangent, operating in their gifts before they know Christ. You have to know Christ before you go to work for him. Because you're going to work for somebody you don't know. Amen. A lot of preachers are preaching about someone they don't know. They're teaching about someone they don't know. And the ones that come in here, that's, that's the assignment is to get to know him and get developed in him and he'll begin to operate in this in his gift can we pull a chair up here and pull, put some lights behind these please if you'll just pull one of those chairs up you can turn these lights and they'll because I want that one bright right here and then kind of shoot it in the center of this one thank you Don thank you Gary Michael title this this CD this is the whole this is the mission right here this is the whole mission of every Christian every Christian is a minister every Christian is a minister your mission starting with ourselves is first of all get born again and then get complete in Christ full of God full of God means what what does full of God mean please John and she's my teacher over there full of God <laughs> full of love full of love so we're going to title this message the CD show me your ID show me your ID what's your identification are you lost are you found are you full of God if you're full of God you're gonna make a difference wherever you go people are gonna be drawn to you people are gonna be changed people are gonna be saved people are gonna be healed goodness and mercy like Dr. Siddiqui said, will follow you all the days of your life.
the grace of God is just incredible. We're going to start with um, 1 Corinthians 1.18. I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures real fast. So you might want to, uh, and I'm going to be turning with you. So um, make sure you write these down because everybody's a minister. And this is a good message right here to be able to step anybody through a salvation experience, to bring yourself into the completeness of Christ with him. So 1 Corinthians one eighteen. For the story and message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those who are perishing and on their way to perdition. But to us who are being saved, you need to underline that, being saved. We all think we're saved, but it says being saved. It is the manifestation of the power of God. So if you look at the lost man right here and you see eternity in his heart, that means it's a home where eternal life comes to live. And that's Jesus Christ. When you accept him as Lord and Savior, he comes in that little hole right there in the heart and he, he puts his Holy Spirit in there. And at that point, you become alive. The light is on. You look like this man. The light is on. There's a joy. There's a joy. Brooke's boyfriend, Larry, there's a joy. Is Brooke here? Brooke's not here. Um, he's just still full of zeal and joy. I can't wait till we go on vacation in the, about another month to be able to feed into him while we're on vacation because he's really just on fire for the Lord. He's an evangelist. One thing about the uh, apostolic office the Lord allowed me to identify who's an evangelist, who's a prophet, who's a pastor, who's a teacher. And I usually detect it early on, but I don't say anything to the people for maybe years. But I said, in fact, with Carrie this week, I said, you know, 30 days ago, the Lord had me put my brother on, he put my brother on my heart for Carrie to start spending his time with him because Carrie's in the office of an evangelist. Carrie didn't know that when he first came here. He didn't know where he, what he was, other than he loved Jesus. You'll, mis you'll live a miserable life if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. And you've got to get someone who can identify it for you and help you identify that place. But, the, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and I see a lot of sludge that has to get out of the way before they can even recognize it themselves. Even if I say you're in that office... They won't be able to recognize it because there's too much stuff going on in the mind. But for the story, the story and message of the cross is sheer absurdity. I remember when Paul Hodge, a friend of mine, he's now an evangelist, would preach to me. And he worked for me at that time. This was 23 years ago. And I thought he was the most foolish guy I've ever met. And he was my drinking buddy before then. But he was, he was preaching foolishness to me because I'm very intellectual and I would ask him questions that he couldn't answer. He had a zeal for God, but didn't have any wisdom yet. Wisdom comes through trials. 
Wisdom, that's how you get wisdom, is through trials. But he had a zeal for God. And when he couldn't answer my questions, uh, I figured there's nothing to this Jesus thing that he's gotten hold of. And lo and behold, he's the one God used to make that phone call that morning while I was attempting suicide about a year later. So, perishing and on their way to perdition. What's perdition? Anybody know? Perdition? Everybody can talk. This is, this is not church. This is a, a teaching ministry. Hmm? The Greek is the lost, the loss, the loss of a soul. Damnation, hell. The loss of a soul. And that's the primary, that's the primary call on an evangelist is to get the lost saved. The second call on the evangelist is to evangelize him to be complete in Christ, to be full of God, to be full of God's love. So let's go to Isaiah 14, 9. This, this is a great scripture for anybody, uh, especially evangelists, to use this scripture at some point when you're evangelizing a lost person. Mine says, Sheol hates the place of the dead, that's hell, below is excited to meet you at your coming. Now, if somebody doesn't think there's a hell and they believe in this Bible and read that scripture, there's people down there that says, he's saying here, they're excited to meet you at your coming. It says, oh, tyrant Babylon rulers, it stirs up the, it stirs up the shades of the dead to greet you. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it raises from their thrones in astonishment at your humble condition. All the kings of the nations. I have to, I have to give this testimony. It tells you how, how, how religion can mess people up. Uh, our company was uh, renovating a large house on Victory Drive. And gosh, this was, this was 10 or 15 years ago. And this man had some kind of disease that he was in pain all the time. I can't remember what the disease, disease was, but he's in pain all the time. And he was going to die that year. And I just felt compelled to ask him where he, you know, does he know where he's going when he dies? Does he know that he's going to live forever? And um, I said, there's a heaven and a hell. He said, uh, and he said to me, he said, doesn't matter to me. I have friends in both places. <laughs> Can you imagine that? friends in both places he didn't care whether he went to hell or hell or heaven as long as he saw his friends <laughs> listen I, I have I have um, uh, the spirit in me has won more people to Christ by a little diagram I drew out um, that, ha that has just even won a lot of uh, older people to Christ and you're going to go to whoever you're attached to. You're going to go to, the, you're either attached to the God of this 
world, which is Satan, or the God of heaven. And when you're when you're when you die, that cord gets cut. And uh, if we're connected to the God of this world, we're going to fall just as fast as we can blink our eye. And the Bible says we go into a five foot diameter pit, and it's five foot deep, and that's all it is: is five foot pits. All are down there. And it's an eternal flame. It's a flame, fire coming out of it constantly. And you stand in these flames the rest of your life because you live forever. And it says there's worms and maggots that also crawl through you while you're there. It's complete torment. But the flames never consume you. You feel the fire. Can you imagine how, how a fire feels just burning your hand? You feel this the rest of your life. There's ministers that have gone down there because they didn't base, obey some commandments. One of them was the tithe. He died and he went, Phew. he'd been preaching the gospel for 25 years. And he went down. And the Lord brought him back up and, and he asked the Lord, why did, he, why did I go down? He said, you broke one of the commandments. Paying the tithe, it's, one of the, it's a commandment. It's not something we're offering to God. It's a commandment. So that was the reason. But he said there was wretched screams down there. I mean, heart-wrenching screams continually down there. If we get a hold of this, every person that we meet every day is a divine appointment. God, if, if you'll just think on where that person's at, God will use you. He'll open up a door and he'll give you the right words to say every time to reach that person. If you'll just think on it. You don't have to go preach the gospel to him. Let God open the door up. That's what we do next door. We don't preach the gospel to nobody over there. The spirit has full liberty. He just opens up doors and ushers us in when someone's ready. So think on it. Just think on every day. Listen, when you start doing that, you enter in a, to, into a reward system that God has for people. His, his saints, you, the born-again creation. There's a reward system in place. When you capture one and they enter into the kingdom of God, it says all heaven rejoices over that one person. But the blessings start overtaking you. I mean, they overtake you. The blessing is not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is to feel him rise up in me. And that joy that you feel in your whole being far outweighs anything that God could bless you with. Amen. I don't know how many, how many of you have led somebody to Christ, but it is the most blessed experience you'll ever, ever encounter. Let's see, let's go to um, Psalm 42. Psalm 42. It says, he drew me up out of the horrible pit. How many remember that? The horrible pit. The miry clay, froth and slime, and set my feet upon a rock. 
steadying my steps and establishing my goings. Listen, when you get on the rock of Christ, this lost man over here, he's, he's on sand. His life is always shifting one way or the other. There's no peace in his life. He has to make things happen to have peace. So his life is always shifting by the winds of the air, going back and forth, being tossed to and fro. But a true born-again Christian, when they get born again, they, they're on a rock. And it's called the rock of salvation. And once you get on that rock, it says right here, your steps are now established. So we cannot complain where we are. We cannot complain what we're doing. God has ordered our steps for a purpose. And the purpose is always this, reconciliation. Reconciliation. He wants people reconciled back to him. Every, I mean, that's the main purpose, is, is to get people back to God. But my steps are established and my goings are established. Listen, you wouldn't worry about a thing if you woke up every morning and you remembered that verse. Because he's, he's a God that does no harm. So you wouldn't have a thing to worry about all day long. He said he gives you everything you need. Not to worry about food, water, and shelter, or clothing. These I'm going to give you. You don't even have to ask me for them, he said. Amen. So when you get up, remember, my steps are established today. I'm going to look for the opportunity to capture a soul for God, even if it's just one word that's edifying them and giving them hope. Because it says one plants and one waters and God gives the increase. And each one receives his own rewards. There's a reward, there's a reward system in place. So look for the opportunity to plant every day. If it's just a word, if it's, if it's something leaving your hands to help somebody, don't miss the opportunity because you're accountable every day for what you do. Every word is recorded in heaven, what we say. And we got to give an account for those words when we go up there. Idle words, it says, we have to give an account for. And the reason we have to give them an account for it because there's a reward system in heaven. There's great rewards, there's mediocre rewards, and there's low rewards, but you're still in heaven. I think the greatest reward would be uh, to be the closest one to Jesus when you get there. To be just around his throne. That's my goal, is to be around his throne. That's my goal, is to do something every day for God. Amen. I know Brother Max is going to be there. He, what'd you do this week? Or was it last week? Seven hundred people came to his revival.
This, this, is what your, this is what your ministry here supports. We give him the money to go. We give him everything he needs to go get that tent up. Amen. We've done that for how long? 15 years? Brother Mike, 20 years? Every time he needs to go somewhere, this ministry funds it. Amen. So every soul that he get that, that the Lord uses him to get saved, it goes on your account. Whoever sows into this ministry, it goes. It, it says you receive a, what a prophet's reward. When you sow into a prophet, you see a, you receive the prophet's reward. There's a reward system in place for the for the ministers of God. Proverbs four eighteen. Let's go to Proverbs four eighteen. says, but the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous is like the light of the dawn that shines more and more brighter and clearer until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day to be prepared. This is the goal right here, to be full of God's glory. Not man's glory. To be full of God's glory. And to be a fool of God's glory, you have to be full of unconditional love. That's the only way you'll know. Selfless. That's a total selfless person right there. But listen to what the scripture says. The, the path of the uncompromising, just, righteous, is like the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clear as it reaches its full strength that you're prepared for right here now you can imagine what kind of reward that is if you if you feel god flooding through you just by bringing someone to christ can you imagine what that would feel like being full of god because when he's flooding through you that's a fullness in a moment that you're experiencing. But to be full of God, that would be the fullness of joy, radical joy flowing through you. That would be your primary character. Joy, joy, joy. As the evangelist, what'd you say? Twenty-four hour joy. Let's go to another one. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 16. The Lord gave me this order. In fact, um, we, should, we should make a copy of this, this drawing and all the scriptures that came with it because it will really kind of educate you on uh, even more in your own private time. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 16. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, what's the foundation? Jesus Christ, the rock. Whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, the work of each one will become plainly open, known for show, what it is 
for the day of Christ will disclose it and declare it. What is the day of Christ? There is a day of Christ when he's going to show up in the clouds, right? But there's another day when he brings to light what's in you that shouldn't be in you. Amen? Because he wants to see what kind of material you're building the house on. The walls of the house. That's why he's saying, be careful how you build. For the day's going to declare it by fire. And the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. If the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his efforts, whatever, survives the test, he will get his reward. How many of you know there's a reward after every trial if you pass that test? There's a reward after every trial. But if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer loss. How many of y'all suffered loss in the test? Losing his reward, though he himself will be saved. But if anyone who has passed through the fire, as, as one has passed through the fire, he'll be saved. Do you not discern and understand that the whole church, he's talking about Corinthia, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has a permanent residence in you? I don't think we, we have, we've ever got a real revelation of that. The God that made you is in you. If we knew the real depth of that most of us wouldn't be carrying on like we carry on would we the one that made you is in you the God of love that fashioned you beautifully it says there's no ugly person in God's kingdom everybody's beautiful in God's kingdom let's go to Romans 517 Romans 517 I, I, this is all foundational so the teachers can take it and build on it Romans 517 for if because of one man's trespass lapse offense death reigned through that one much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace unmerited favor and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with God, reigning as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. How many of you are reigning as a king in life? Nobody? I'd be confessing it if you, if, you, if you wouldn't. I mean, if you're not, I'd at least get it out there. Because <laughs> we <laughs> put it in the law. Put it in the law. We are supposed to be reigning as kings. Kings. And further in these scriptures, I'm going to tell you what a king really is supposed to do. Because it's in Daniel. Let's go to another scripture. 
Let's go to Isaiah 43.7. Isaiah 43.7. Even everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, whom I have made. Now that would have messed that guy up last night they were teaching. It says everyone. It says everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, I have formed, whom I have made for my glory. That's the glory dimension. We are supposed to be creators. How many of you remember what the anointing dimension means? Because we're going to be going in our glory service in another two weeks. What is the anointing dimension? It's the power to break off yokes, separate you from things that we shouldn't be attached to. But it's, it's Christ the healer in the anointing dimension. He's Christ the healer. Now, if you're supposed to be one of the... You're made for his glory. That means you're made for the glory dimension. What happens in the glory dimension? What is Christ in the glory dimension? He's creator. So you can imagine what... With this man right here, full of, full of God, full of love. He can create with his words at a moment what he needs. That's what you're coming into. Because you won't be speaking anything out of the will of God. When you're full of his love, you'll never speak anything out of the will of his... It's not even in you to speak anything out of his will. Let's go to Galatians 4.29. Galatians So proud of Eddie and all of them last night. That was awesome. Obeying the promptings of the Spirit. Galatians 4.29 Yet just as at the time the child of ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, despised and persecuted him who was born remarkably according to the promise of the working of the Holy Spirit. And so it is now. Let me tell you, that's one born... Have you ever been around a religious person that, that's void of the Spirit? Well, that's one born of the flesh. A lost person is born of the flesh. But what it's talking about is once you come out of the being lost and you come into the kingdom of the kingdom, the son of his love, you're going to be persecuted by that one over there. Okay? So if you're persecuted by anybody constantly then you know this one's born of the flesh because it says it persecutes the one born of the spirit amen so you want to stay away from that person or you'll be tormented 
Now, if you're married, it's okay because you're, you're supposed to be saved by the other one, right? You'll get sanctified by the one that's got it. So don't run out of a marriage. But get away from people that aren't like-minded, that aren't equally yoked with you because that stuff will get on you. It'll get on you. It's nothing but a spirit. It'll get on you. There's a time, there's a window to be a witness to that person, but don't don't hang out with them too long. Let's go to 1 Peter 4.14. 1 Peter 4.14. If you are persecuted and suffer abuse because you bear the name of Christ, blessed are you, happy, fortunate to be envied with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of your outward condition, because of the spirit of glory and the spirit of God is resting on you. Isn't that awesome? That's a sign of true identity in Christ. If you are persecuted for the name of Christ, blossom for the name of Christ, it says the spirit of God and the spirit of glory is resting on you. What's it trying to do? It's just resting on me. It's supposed to be in me. Right? Well, that's why it's resting on you. To get in you. And the one that's persecuting you and talking bad about you. That's the test of love. And if you love that person, then what's resting on you will get in you. Amen. That's how it works. Watch your words. Because the persecution comes if somebody is just slamming you, mocking you, bringing your character down. Don't talk bad about that person. The glory is resting on you. Notice that the glory of God and the glory, the spirit of glory, two, two spirits is resting on you. Well, who's resting in me is the hope of glory, Christ. So now we got the Trinity fixing to merge. I'm about to abort the whole thing by one word that comes out of my mouth. Negative word is not seasoned with grace, seasoned with love, and got the right attitude behind it. You can't imagine what we miss. Can you imagine what the reward system is on that? When another measure of the glory gets in you. Watch our words every day. Because you're going to have people who's going to persecute you. And I felt so bad one time. I wanted to quit. And this was about 10 years ago in that building right there across that street. This man uh, apparently come from over east somewhere. And um, he heard that I was in, a, in an apostolic function. And um, he just ripped me to shreds at that table. But I knew it wasn't him. I had already, my senses have been exercised to know now what's of God and what's not of God and how to respond. Rip me apart. 
I didn't say a word, but I felt beat up. I came back to this office, when that back office, and, and just felt like crying the whole time. Because when you always want to do the right thing, and you're, you're plowing those fields, and you're doing the right thing, and you're loving people, and then all of a sudden some devil works through somebody right at the table across from you and just slams you. That's a test. He was hurt by an apostle over there in the Far East somewhere that apparently prophesied something. In fact, he, he called me later and apologized. Because he started checking this ministry out and saw that it was good fruit, good ground. And he called me and apologized. He said, man, I'm sorry. He said, I was so hurt over there in that far east with this one apostle that prophesied over us and just messed us up. Told us to go over here. God wants you to go over there. We sold everything, went over there. And God was not over there. Sold everything. House, everything. You got to listen to, you better know. You can't receive words from anybody unless you know the person's character. Don't receive nothing unless you know the person's character. You can, you can test it. God didn't say to receive it. He said, test it to see if it's of me. Make war for the prophecies that come for you. So the spirit of glory. All right, let's go to Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28. Listen, all of y'all are on assignment. Everybody's on an assignment. In the marketplace, you're on assignment to, to go into churches, fellowship with those churches. Bring what you know to the churches that you see need to come up to another level. What what was that verse? Hebrews 12, 28. Let us therefore receiving a kingdom that is firm. So, so, so now you're, you're on the rock of the kingdom, but you had not yet received the kingdom. See, that's what the, a lot of the churches don't teach. You Let us therefore, re, you are receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken after Offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship, which modestly and pious care and godly fear and awe. That's how you receive the kingdom. Worship. Worship. What's it say? Worship and service. Pleasing service to God. Offer pleasing service to God and acceptable worship. Everybody knows what their acceptable worship is to God. Whatever, whatever worship is, this is a sign that it pleases God. He ministers to you. Because worship is supposed to minister to Him. So if He ministers to you, then He's pleased with your worship, whatever it is. Amen. So keep doing whatever you're doing. If God is coming to you, let's go to let's go to Psalm 119, 133. 
Psalm 119, 133. It says, Establish my steps and direct them by means of your word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You cannot enter his kingdom and receive his kingdom unless you have the word. Because the word is establishing your steps to receive that kingdom. And the trial is where you receive the word. The implanted word gets in there in the trial. So let's go to Acts 14.22. Acts 14.22. says, establishing and strengthening the souls and the hearts of the disciples, urging and warning and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith and telling them that it is through many hardships and tribulations we must enter into the kingdom. If you think, it, if you think getting from here to here is going to be easy, it's not going to be easy, but it'll be blessed. That's the difference. You're going to feel some pain going from here to here. Because remember, pain is weakness leaving the body so Christ's strength can take its place. So there will be pain. But the blessings are flowing at the same time. The pain is leaving. Amen? So you can't enter this kingdom without trouble. What's next? Let's go to Psalm 37, 23. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord. When he delights in his way and he busies himself with his every step. Isn't that awesome? Christ busies himself with your every step. Who's the good man? There's nothing good about us. The good man's in us. Christ, the hope of glory, the new creation. His steps are ordered by God. That's why I say every day you get up, whatever way your steps go is the way it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go that way. It's the plan of redemption. It's the plan of reconciliation. That's why he said, give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God for you. Because there's joy when you embrace. When you hit head on what you're supposed to hit that day. You should have joy every day. Every day. There should be joy. Amen. There should be joy every day. I come out of my house with joy. I sing in the car all the way to the work, quoting scriptures, singing to the Lord. Joy, so much joy. And then I want to hit this place, I'm ready for war. Because I'm going to enter in to another dimension of the kingdom every day. So I expect trouble every day. If you expect it and you're prepared for it, it's easy to go, what, 
through it instead of staying in it. Let's go to another scripture. Let's go to Philippians 1 6. Philippians 1 6. If you put all these scriptures together and and write them out, Philippians 1 6, it will change your life and other people's life. It says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing that he who began a good work in me will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to his return. Developing that good work, perfecting and bringing it into full completion in you. That good work is the work of love. Full completion, the complete man, full of God. Developed completely. Let's go to Hebrews 13, 21. Let's go to the next one. Hebrews 13, 21. So let us therefore receiving, I got the wrong one, 21, Hebrews 13, 21. There it is. Strengthen, complete, perfect, and make you what you ought to be and equip you with every good that you may carry out his will while he himself works in you in in accomplishing that which pleases his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever look at that scripture strengthen he's going to strengthen you make you complete in every good work so you can carry out his will and as you're carrying out his will he's going to work in you his good and perfect will to the next level to the next level. You're growing in his will. You go from his what? His good, his acceptable, and then his perfect will. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, Every scripture is God-breathed given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to God's will and thought and purpose and action. How many of y'all, how many of y'all really stay in the word a lot? I mean, just stay in the word. Most of you stay in the Word. You can't do it without the Word. You can't do it without the Word. The Word's going to do it. It's going to equip you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to train you. It's going to correct you. It's going to discipline you. Let's go to Hebrews 5 8. See, I love the way the Lord lays out this foundational teaching because I, I know it's correct. And I know that the teachers can build on it. And uh, let's go to, okay. Although he was a son, he's talking about Jesus. He learned active special obedience through what he suffered. Isn't that amazing? The son of God had to learn obedience. You would have thought he was obedient. 
He had to learn obedience. This is, this is Jesus he's talking about, who was 100% man, 100% God, had to learn obedience through his suffering. Are you suffering? Anybody suffering in any area? It's an opportunity right now to learn obedience. That's all it's there for, is to learn obedience. Let's look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And this is what we're going to have to do as we walk it out. Ephesians 6, 10. 18. 10 through 18. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord and empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him, that strength which His boundless might provides. Put on God's full armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against dispositions, against powers, against the masters, master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirits spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore put on God's complete armor that you might be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day now that evil day could be tomorrow for some of us the devil might already have a strategy set up to meet you tomorrow but you're gonna have to put your armor on because you got to keep in mind that it's not flesh and blood. It's not the person. Even in marriages, you got one that's, that's that might be bickering at, bickering at another. It's not him. It's not her. We got to get our eyes off the people and get it on the devil who formed the strategy to work through that person to cause division between those two people. Put on your armor. Guard that helmet of salvation. Guard your mind from those fiery darts of the devil. So he doesn't put that poison in your mind. Stand, therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins, and having put on the breastplate of integrity and moral rectitude and right standing with God, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with firm footed stability the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace that's what Eddie Jude and them did last night they stood in the firmness of that stability of the truth that they know lift up all the covering shield the saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God This is your armor. Guard your mind every day. The word of God is the shield of faith. When you start meditating on the word of God, the shield of faith comes up around you because faith becomes, becomes because of the word. You've got an invisible shield around you all day long. People can be throwing, cursing at you, slandering you, but it's not getting in you. I discipled someone uh, a few months ago 
and um, she, uh, I, I ministered to her, and and, and um, I said, "Do you ever read the epistles?" It just came. It, the Lord's prompted me to ask her, "Do you ever read the epistles?" She said, "I never read the epistles." I said, "How long have you been a Christian?" She said, 15, 20 years." I said, "You'll never grow." That's the problem. The gospel is like, like Brother Siddiqui said. That's like the Old Testament because that was before the resurrection. It was instruction. It was a tutor. It was a tutor. Stay in the epistles if you want to advance the kingdom. All right. What did I say? Colossians 3.14. Colossians 3.14. We're finishing up here. I can't wait out of this whole group to see, see the victory all of us are going to have. Amen. Victory, victory, victory. Colossians 3.14. And above all these, put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. Isn't that awesome? Put on love. You can, have, you can put on your armor. You can put on all these things. But if you don't have love, nothing's happening. The kingdom is not advancing. Let's go, to, let's go to Romans 13, 10. Romans 13, 10. It says what? Love does no wrong to anybody. It never hurts anybody. Therefore, love meets all the requirements in fulfilling the law. Listen. This is a royal love. He's called us to be a royal priesthood. That means a kingly priesthood. But there's a law that's in place before you could even reach that place. And it's called the royal love. The bond, the bonds, uh, the bond of perfection. That love that does no harm. How many of you ever upset someone? Well, you did that person harm then. Right? See how easy it is to do? I do it. Then I have to ask God to forgive me and ask that person to forgive me. If she leaves my precious wife, <laughs> I'll say some word. I don't yell and scream, but I'll say some word that had the wrong attitude behind it. You know what I mean? So, and I knew that, you know, it wasn't the right thing to do after I did it. You know what? Because of, what you, because of her response. Yeah. yeah, her response isn't very biblical. <laughs> and, and my response is biblical with the wrong attitude. <laughs> it's got to be seasoned with love. It's got to be seasoned with love. It's a gentleness. It's gentle. 
kills that every time, that gentleness. Almost like a whisper. And you'll kill it every time. It's a royal love. Make sure, let's go to... um, Corinthians 14 1 1 Corinthians 14 1 so eagerly pursue and seek to inquire this kind of love make it your aim your great great quest and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowment gifts especially that you may prophesy and and that means to interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. So pursue love first. Make it your target. Make love your target. And that love is doing no harm. Then it's affectionate. But you can't be affectionate and then do harm. You gotta you gotta get it all just right with your words. Then you can show affection. Amen. Then look what it says. Desire, cultivate the gifting. Preach it and teach it. So where is all this love taking me? This love is taking me somewhere. Because it's a commandment to love. Where is it taking me? Let's look at another verse in Philippians 3.7. Philippians 3.7. But whatever former things I have... I had that I had, but whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Jesus Christ. You won't ever think about anything else once you know him. But sometimes he's got to get some things out of the way to know him. You won't want things. He'll want to give you things, but you won't want them. But he's got to use them. It gives him access to people. Amen. Because he wants, it says, to be blessed is to be envied. We're not supposed to envy each other. But a lost person will envy you. He's serving God. He's blessed. Not broke, busted, and disgusted. That's why sinners don't come to the church. Because they think they got to be broke and poor. To come to Christ. That's not the Jesus that I serve. Knowing Christ, my Lord, of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For His sake. I have lost everything and considered it all to be rubbish in order that I may win and gain Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. How many of you lost everything? I did. I lost everything. That's why there's so much revelation coming forth. Because there's nothing in the way. And the more revelation he pours into you, the more things he's going to bring with him. 
Because he's going to bless you for your obedience. That's what he does. Okay. What time is it, Brick? Ten after nine? Okay. I'm going to go. I got four more scriptures real quick to get out and then we'll be finished. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Is that the one I just did? Okay, let's go to another. James 1, 2. James 1, 2. Consider it holy, joyful, my, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped and encounter trials of any sort. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. I knew that was wrong. James 1, 12. Sorry, James 1.12. says, blessed, happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test of love and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. When you look at this man right here, he's got a helmet on constantly because he's got the helmet of salvation on. When you look at this man over here, he's going to have a crown on, the victor's crown. Okay, so you move from the helmet of salvation to a victor's crown. Amen. So that's, that's when you are ruling and reigning over darkness. You tell darkness what to do instead of darkness telling you what to do and dictating you. Let's go to another scripture. 1 John 2.5. 1 John 2.5 Praise the name of Jesus. 1 John 2.5 But he who keeps treasures his word and bears in mind his precepts who observes his message in its entirety truly in him has a love of and for God been perfected completed and reached maturity by this, we may perceive, know, recognize, and be sure that we are in him. There's your answer right there. That's how you know that you're going to be full of God's love. Is that you keep his word. When do we lose the word? It's always in the trial. It's always in temptation. It's when we let go of the word. We should be holding on to the word and receive that crown of victory that he's got ready to put on us. It's right there at hand in the trial. He's going to put the crown on when you pass that test. And you'll go into another level of authority, another level of reigning over darkness, another level of blessing, another level of intimacy with Christ. Let's go to another scripture, last scripture, 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's your royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. Royal means kingly priesthood. Kingly priesthood. What does kingly mean? Let's look at let's look at Daniel a second. You can write it down. I didn't I didn't uh, 
I just kind of took parts of that. It's Daniel 5, 18 and 19. But it basically says, the power of a kingly reign is this. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whoever he wished, he put down. He had complete. That's that, that kingly anointing. But see, there's so much power when you get into that place that God has to get rid of you, your old man, the sinful nature, because we'll abuse it, that kind of power. We'll mess people up with that kind of power. So the, the more we die daily, we die daily, the more we gain Christ. The more we gain into this, uh, he, he's constantly leading us into what? Triumph. Triumph means complete victory in everything we do. We've got the victory already. There's no reason to worry that you don't have the victory every day in every circumstance. There's no reason to worry that you don't have that victory because it's already in place. He's trying to get you in that place that you can live in that victory. Amen. So when a devil sees you, he sees a crown. There's a crown that goes on your head. And it's invisible. I've seen them. That's what the devil sees. And he won't mess with Because he knows you can do some damage to him. By one word coming out of your mouth. You can say in the name of Jesus. I put you down. And he's got to go down. There's power on those words. Amen. That's why you got to operate in love. So in closing, look at these, look at this now. Let's look at these visions again. We got to be full of God. That's the goal. To be full of God, full of his love, full of good works. To rule over darkness and sin completely. To live the abundant life in Christ. To become blameless, harmless children of God. Shining as a light in this crooked generation. Are we shining as, a light, light, shining as a light every day? Are people drawn to us? Do they see something different about you? Are they drawn to you? Let that light shine. Let it shine. Amen. You're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. Anybody got any questions? That's a lot of scriptures because I really want you to, it's all foundational. It, it just builds right up that place. And Lee will be teaching on it Wednesday. I'm going to keep, my wife's an awesome teacher too. I'm going to keep her teaching on the glory. Because she's been studying on the glory all these years. For this purpose. Somebody had to be laboring. And it wasn't me. I didn't want to know about anything about the glory. I just love hanging out with Jesus and walking with him. But she's been in the, the glory books for how long, babe? Five years, ten years. So she knows all about the glory. She's got a lot of revelation. So she's going to be bringing it next, next Saturday. And then um, she's going to be bringing it again the Saturday after that in the glory service. And I'm going to be bringing the music and the ministry in that service as the Lord leads the minister. Now remember, 
He got rid of prescription drugs. He healed some diseases. He, he wants to do creative miracles because that's where he's really glorified. Can you imagine? That's where he's really glorified. Don't you know you'd be really be on fire for Jesus if you had a creative miracle? Your tongue would not shut up about Jesus, would it? It wouldn't. Yes. thing about the glory services that excites me is that um, the voice of the Father is a much softer voice and uh, in that glory service when the, when the Father comes we're only supposed to do what he says to do we don't use our giftings we don't use the anointing he doesn't need those all he needs is you to speak for him and he'll tell you everything he wants you to say. And it works. Because if you hear it like you heard it, she heard it. And she obeyed the voice. Remember in Deuteronomy it says, if you diligently obey the voice. Didn't say the word. We're not supposed to obey the word. We're supposed to do the word. Diligently. Diligently. I was going to tell Brother um, Siddiqui this. Diligently in the Greek is, it means painstaking. That means some kind of effort. Painstaking. It says if you diligently obey the voice of God, then all, and observe his commandments, then all these blessings will come upon you. That's how easy it is. But most of us don't know his voice. The voice of God. The Father. You know the voice of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit has trained your senses to discern what's evil and what's good, then you begin to hear the voice of Jesus. Now you're walking some authority, some victory. Once you get through that and start exercising that authority and that victory, then you hear the voice of the Father. And He just wants to talk to you all day. Speak to your sweet whisperings all day. And He can whisper. And an arm will grow out of someone with a whisper. Your mic. 60 seconds it doesn't work for a preacher <laughs> you can take as long as you want no we were um, you know of course I would say we're so privileged to be in this ministry and it has the fullness of God on it and uh, it's, it's you know really you know brought us out of what they call the miry clay or the pit and uh, and my wife uh, and, and what I was going to say about what I guess 60 seconds isn't long 
120. So about, you know, you having those cards and it, it would be amazing if, you know, when people get this revelation of what's happening here, if they had those cards with a piece of this revelation, think, you know, and taking it all around the country, think what would happen. But they're carrying around something with a box of chocolates. But anyway, my wife was invited to, you know, my wife was invited to, to speak for about 20 minutes at this, this women's gathering. And, you know, we didn't know who was all going to be there. And she was asked to speak on women in business. And my wife is not some extremely successful businesswoman or has some, you know, mega business. But but since we've been here, you know, you've seen a transfer because you get what flows, right? Amen. Rain comes down and you get up under it. And then so she, she uh, you know, so she's like, well, why do you have to speaking? You know, she was asked to speak about this amongst women who were, you know, successful in business and, and in government. And, you know, there was, a, there, was, there was someone from the U.S. Senate office, U.S. Senator's office, one of the senators of the United States, the chief of staff of Savannah uh, was there. There were doctors and lawyers and all these things here. And so Jennifer gets up there because I'm there and, you know, they wanted me to do the worship. So I lead the worship and this was at the Marriott Riverfront this morning. And so I said, Jennifer, you know, what are you going to preach on? But uh, Apostle here laid hands on a few at training for Randy and you were speaking about the anointing and about, you know, some things that were going to happen to her in business. And it was such a transfer. We left and she's trembling and so on and so forth. And, uh, but anyway, so I said, I said, Jennifer, so what are you going to speak on? And then I said, you know, and she spoke on the dual calling. Mm-hmm. And when she speaks on this dual calling of what she learned here right. through this revelation, and she broke down the fivefold ministry, because these were Christian women in business and, uh, and women in all type of ministry. And when she broke this down, she had these, you know, women of influence coming to her afterwards. They weren't going to anyone because there were three speakers. And they had never heard such a revelation. One lady came crying. Another lady came and said, here's a book I wrote. Where is this type of... And it was just amazing. And she didn't really leave the script at all. She just kind of repeated what, what, what Brother Gene is teaching. And it's just so amazing. So it's just a testimony of, of what God is doing in the earth and what we're connected to. And, and we're so excited because it, it just really blew me away. I was like, wow. You know, we knew they hadn't heard, but you didn't think that people, you know, sometimes you don't know if they're going to connect to it, you know. Right. And that's just not out there. So it was just such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, revelation. <laughs> if it's pure revelation, people will hear it because we're created to hear it. It's the revealing of Christ. It's the revealing of Christ's truth. You'll hear it. But I'm excited about uh, Brother Juvon and Jennifer. They're young and young, young pastors, and um, the Lord prophesied through Brother Gomes that He's going to send the young pastors to us to train them up the right way, to know that they got to get there, lead their people to being full of God, and not getting God and then getting full of themselves, because that's what's happened. And uh, so, so He's being trained up the right way. Um, well, we have a birthday. And a cake. <laughs>